Hello, everybody. Hey, what's up? Welcome to our first episode. I'm Lisa. I'm Tracy. And we're so excited to start doing this. This is Appreciate Rex. This is our brand new medical podcast, but we're not going to be discussing anything educational or academic, don't worry, because that's what our 60 to 80 hour work week is for, right? Instead, this podcast will focus on what it's really like to go through medical residency. It'll be a place to share our highs and our lows and our experiences as we go through this journey. Because let's be real, residency can be so isolating. And medicine itself is such a unique field. We deal with life and death matters, health, and the outcomes of human beings on the daily. And in order for us healthcare providers to survive, we need the space to reflect. So that'll be our goal for this podcast. It will be a place for us to unpack and reflect on the experiences that we witness, with the end goal being to help others who are going through the same journey realize that they're not alone. And one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was because I was feeling kind of depressed. We're four months into our intern year now, and it's gotten to that point where I feel like I'm waking up, going to work, coming back home when it's already dark, and repeating six days out of the week. And it's super exhausting. Especially with COVID, it's been so tough because I feel like it's been really hard to hang out with other people even people in my own class. Sometimes we just need a place to release, complain, laugh, process, and move on. But with COVID, it's been really hard to do that. So I wanted to make a podcast where medical residents and medical trainees can tune in and maybe feel a sense of solidarity, understanding that they're not alone, and that this process of learning to become a doctor, a physician, is something that we're all going through. Totally. And I was so excited when you texted me. It was, you had, I think you t- texted, hey, little tipsy, throwing this idea out. <laughs> Do you want to start a podcast about residency and, you know, the struggles and the highs and lows of residency? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Let's do this. We've, we both never, ever created a podcast before. We just are avid listeners of podcasts, but this is a completely new experience for the both of us. Yeah, I'm really excited that you agreed because I was kind of nervous that you weren't going to agree, but yeah. Why didn't you think I would agree? I don't know. Maybe you would think it was like a strange idea, a random idea, you know? I love it. I'm all about creativity. Oh, yay. That's good. Well, maybe we should tell people a little bit about us. You can go first. Sure. So my name is Tracy. I am one of Lisa's co-interns. And I... Oh, we're not allowed to say... We should probably just be like... We're going to bleep what I just said. (laughs) Um, I'm at a hospital somewhere in Los Angeles, California. Um, I was born and raised in the San Fernando Valley, not too far from where I'm working now. Went to college at um, out in Orange County and then went to med school in Pomona. And now four months into my family medicine training in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. And I'm Lisa. I grew up in the Bay Area and I went to college um, and med school down in L.A., and I've been here ever since, and now I'm 
in LA for my family medicine residency with Tracy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen you in a while, Tracy. I know. Um, first year for family medicine is pretty all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like we do OB, we do PEDS, we do surgery. Um, so we're working in specialties that aren't our chosen specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're on OB right now. I am. Yeah. So how's that been? Oh, not gonna lie. It's, it's been, the first week was rough. Um, it's been one of my toughest rotations. I think probably because I actually hadn't done an L and D rotation in med school. Okay. So it was a completely different experience for me. Um, very new, a lot to learn. And I had just gone off of ICU, which Mm -hmm. is also a very intense rotation, um, in terms of both hours and also the patients that you're carrying. Sure. So I had just straight jumped in from ICU to OB without a break in between. Yeah. So that might have contributed to it. And I, I last week was – or two weeks ago was probably the hardest week of residency for me thus far. Really? In OB? In OB and also just the fact that I worked 10 days straight. And the last day was actually a 24-hour call. And so – Actually, you know what? It was probably a 15-day streak because my off day was a, a post-call day. So, And then I just went straight back into wow. the week from there. Yeah. So it was a combination of, of tiredness and, and also a new environment where you feel like the black sheep. Oh, um, yeah. Just because you don't really know anything. Exactly. Or, you, know. you don't know anything and that's not your specialty. And I think that's the most unique thing with family medicine is that you, you jump, kind of like you said, you're, you're going into every single um, specialty, but you're always the guest of that, yeah. of that program. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, that, I, OB, the first week was rough. I remember midweek, it was Wednesday. I, I felt, you know when you feel like tears welling up? And you're like, I know I'm going to cry. Yep. Um, Just because you felt incompetent. Because I felt like... incompetent. <clears throat> I uh, One of the second years had snapped at me. Oh, really? But not – it was not personal. It was just the They're probably stressed too, yeah. They were stressed. They had a lot going on, a lot on their plate. And I was just particularly sensitive that day yeah. um, because of the tiredness. And I, I when he, like, was – he didn't snap, but he said something in an inpatient tone. I, I had felt the tears welling up, and I was like, I know I'm going to cry after this. And luckily, it was towards the end of the day, and I went to my car. I was parked up on the very top of the parking lot, and it was sunset, and it was getting dark. And I just cried, and I just sat there for like 30 minutes or so. Wow. Um Wait, that was last week or the first week? That was the first week, so two weeks ago. But Wednesday was the second day because then we switched. (gasps) Really? You cried? Oh, I'm so sorry. I know. I cried the second day. Yeah. It was needed. It was a good cry. You know those cries where I'm just like, that was a good cry. Maybe you had some stress from ICU as well. Probably. They probably had some stress from ICU that, that had not been released. I actually surprisingly didn't have too many patients I had directly taken care of um, pass away. Wow. Okay. Um, one patient actually, but she was in her nineties, and it was okay. it was kind of expected. Okay. Tough, nonetheless. But yeah, so that 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 was actually the second time. That was my second cry of residence. Oh wow! I cried like for sure at least once every. Book. Really? Yeah. At what point do you cry during the rotation, or is it just particularly? 
Well, nursery, my first one, Mm -hmm. I cried on the one of the first few days just because I felt incompetent, like Mm -hmm. with Epic and on Mm -hmm. the EMR. Mm -hmm. And then OB, I've cried multiple times. Mm. Definitely one time where a nurse was kind of mean to me, Mm -hmm. but my senior stood up for me. So that was, she was the homie. Yeah, I remember you talking about that, yeah. 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 OB is just a very intense um, environment and... I understand why people act a certain way, but also when you're not, when you didn't choose that field and Mm -hmm. you're just going through it for four to six weeks, it's hard because some of the times you're just like, why am I going through, like, why am I putting up with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Although learning to deliver babies was an amazing thing to learn and I actually liked it better than I thought it would. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to like it more. My, my second Good. week was definitely better, way better than my first week. Yeah, I felt the same way. I felt like after I learned how to ultrasound yeah. and then learned how to pull the baby out, it got a lot more fun. Mm, it did. Yeah, I think it definitely, once you get over the, the learning curve, it, it definitely becomes more fun. And you realize too within primary care, it helps you be better at certain things like vaginal exams, pap smears. Oh, for sure, yeah. You just got to aim down. You just got to aim down, yeah. <laughs> to find I the had, cervix. like, the hardest time finding the cervix at the beginning of the year. Oh, my God, right? You're just like, where is this I thing? know. But it's, it's always down it's for some reason. It's always down. How are your cervical exams? Are you getting better? Improving, but still off. I'm oh, always, yeah. I'm always, like, one to two centimeters off, yeah. I think I go too deep. What happens is, especially when the cervix is already super soft, mm-hmm. I just, like, bypass the oh, interesting. internal oz in search yeah. for the baby's head yeah yeah it's definitely a skill yeah and it takes so much time yeah yeah and i only have two two weeks left of ob so hopefully oh, right. your ob nights i'll mm-hmm. get through it but if i don't master it i'm not gonna be too upset right i'll never yeah. have to do it again yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah yeah i so i was i was scared of the nurses going in because i had heard from you and you oh. know from other of our co-interns but surprisingly i've had i haven't had a negative interaction with the nurses that's good yeah i I think i i always maybe i'm like a uh like a a teacher's pet or whatever you call it but i'm always i always tell the nurses like like i'm here to learn from you guys like you guys are the ones that have been doing this for years and it's been i think it's been received well and i i genuinely honestly mean that because that's good i have very minimal experience yeah in doing cervical exam some of those nurses have been there for years and years oh for sure yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so i talked about my rotation experience what what rotation are you on right now lisa so i'm on inpatient wards Mm. um and it's been pretty good this this block though these past two weeks for some reason it's been a lot of palliative Mm. medicine and being the one who has to talk about palliative Mm -hmm. like going the palliative route and Mm -hmm. not pursuing further treatment and like talking about hospice and things like that it's not easy it it was it was really hard and there is confusion between hospice versus palliative care and even if you know those differences as a physician being able to deliver that message to the patient and their families as well as getting an answer out of them is is an art and is a skill and be, this being my first time doing this as an intern i i'm just like okay am i the one who has to tell them you probably have a prognosis of six months mm-hmm. or i don't know it's just a lot of it was a lot mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i don't think i mean from what i've seen in icu and also on wards they don't expect the interns to have those discussions hmm. have you found that that they've expected you to have those discussions um yeah 
Yeah. It's a it was a good learning experience though. Um, learning to use a lot of open ended questions mm-hmm. and I think the important thing is to always emphasize that just because you're doing palliative or you're going the palliative route mm-hmm. doesn't mean we're not going to take care of your symptoms, mm-hmm. like your pain. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean we're not going to treat you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just means that, you know, we're not going to necessarily subject you to further, like, surgery, for example, right. or chemotherapy. Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's getting easier every single time I do it. Yeah. But it's not an easy discussion right yeah are you are you talking to the patient themselves or are you talking to the families or invol- involving both parties that's a good question because it's really frustrating with covid mm. that families typically aren't there yeah so you're talking to the patient and then most of the time of course they want to talk to their families mm-hmm. um and so you try to call the families but sometimes they don't pick up right or sometimes you need a translator right. and your phone's already being used for the translator so it kind of becomes a mess. It's really hard to coordinate all this, yeah. these really hard discussions over the phone. So I really do wish that the families were still allowed up because it just makes the whole process smoother and it makes the experience a lot better for the patient. But unfortunately, that's just the reality of the world we live in nowadays with COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. That's That's been the hardest thing about this COVID experience in the hospitals is the the lack of family visitation. And I think... Yeah, I didn't it, realize that until I started having these conversations. Yeah. 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 In the ICU. Uh, you oh haven't had God. your ICU rotation, have you? No, I have it last, but yeah. that sounds... Are they allowed to come up at, like, end of life? Or how they do they are even... allowed to come up in the end of life. Um, how do you even make that judgment call, though? That's the thing. Sometimes it's really just dependent on the charge nurse who's ever in charge mm. to, to make that decision. Um, but it's... Usually, in the prognosis for the ICU is you know is yeah. poor, unless they're like a a, a post surgery patient that's just being monitored. But okay, um, I, I haven't had trouble requesting multiple family members to come in for certain that's patients. Good. Yeah, um, but you know, I feel like pre COVID, I I assume that most people were able to be at the bedside majority of the time, which I think helps with healing. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially so there's also a covid unit at our hospital and they don't allow any family members at all yeah i remember last block we had a covid patient who once my attending went into the room he literally broke down crying because he's had so few visitors Mm. and yeah it was just so sad because yeah when they have covid we usually just call them on the phone Mm -hmm. yeah i mean after that we started going in more Mm -hmm. and we actually made my team made signs for him how do you say it in Spanish? Estarás más bien or something. Aww. You will be better. Aww. That's so sweet. <laughs> or you can do it. I forget how to say it in Spanish, but um, we thought that really helped him with the emotional part of it and actually helped him get, get better, you know? Yeah. And it's a long, COVID is a long healing process. You know, it's actually not even that medically complex in hmm. terms of treatment, you know? You just... There's an algorithm that we follow now. Yeah. There's an algorithm, and, and it's also a matter of just of letting the lungs heal. Hmm, yeah. And so it time. just takes so long. It gets so it stretched out. And yeah. you're just isolated in this room. You almost feel like a a fish in a fishbowl. Oh. You know? Yeah. Because they're like the clear, the clear glass doors. Yeah. Um, 
And and then when you also, if you think about it, when you get visitors in, who the nurse, the physical therapist, whoever, they're all gowned up. Yeah, can't see their face. Anything. Yeah, and they're in these like papper suits yeah. too. And they look like just like these aliens from outer space that are visiting It must you. be surreal. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of having family on the bedside, something I realized on my shift yesterday. Mm. So I have a patient who is who suffered a stroke mm-hmm. and she's non-responsive on a lot of my exams. Mm-hmm. Um, like she used to squeeze your hand when you held it, but then past few days she hasn't really been doing that. Mm. And she did she was found to have another stroke like a few days ago. Mm. And so the team really thought that her prognosis was really poor cuz her exam findings were just not very very good. Yeah. But um, yesterday I decided to give her another visit in the noontime and she did a lot better than I thought. I mean, she was gripping my hand in response. She was wiggling her toes when I told her to not tracking, but basically had more life in her than I thought. Yeah. And so it made me realize she was probably just sleeping every time I saw her in the mornings. Yeah. We, I feel like a lot of times on wards, we make our plan from our exam in the morning. Yeah. And some of the times we don't even go back to see the patient because the plan is already in effect and like we talk about the patient Mm -hmm. but anyway i went back and she just appeared a lot more awake and she could even squeeze on command so she was still there and it just made me realize sometimes we may think a certain way about our patients based on our morning assessment of them before rounds but that may not be entirely accurate and so if her son had been able to be at bedside like it used to be then he would have been able to tell us these changes in her mental status but instead, he can only visit an hour on certain days. So it's just been really hard. The family can truly help us a lot with the assessment of the patient. Definitely. And in this case, I thought this patient was basically on her deathbed after the stroke. But this made me think twice. Maybe she's not. Yeah, definitely changes the, the plan. But if you think about it too, like people get woken up at the oddest times of the night to get blood draws or to get vitals checked you know i mean if i was woken up at 3 a.m and then had to get woken up again at 7 a.m for someone to do a physical exam on me i would be groggy (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know but but yeah you're you're right like we as a doctors you know we go into it i think for patient care right Mm -hmm. we want we want to help people Mm -hmm. but we actually spend majority of our times in front of a computer oh my gosh yeah we talk about each patient for you know, a fair amount of time, but to the patient, we go in in the morning and just leave. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting how that, how that works now. Yeah. I wonder if it was different in the past. Who knows? More paper. Yeah. But there were still paper charts. Yeah. And then the nurse, I mean, the nurses are really the ones that are are keeping an eye on everything for us. And none of our orders would go nowhere without the nurses that fulfill them. Yeah. You know, we click these buttons I know. Order this, order that. Yeah, we click something and it vanishes, and then we're yeah. like, okay, eventually it yeah, will get it'll done. It'll get done. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't get done, but then most of the time it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, how how would you? I know we talked all about COVID and how healthcare looks different with COVID now. What do you think it would have looked like without this pandemic? Yeah, I guess other than the whole families not being able to be there. In terms of just my own wellness, mm. I feel like I feel like I would be happier. 
Yeah, I feel like we we would have hung out more as a residency oh, yeah. class. Like we haven't even as a class, we haven't even all hung out outside of you know orientation or yeah. clinic or whatever. Yeah, we had like a beach day retreat, but that was everyone was in separate pods of like six people. Yeah, it's it's really hard. Yeah, I do think. Yeah, it would be a little. We'd be a little more. At least I would be a little more happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think so too. Yeah. How How about you? How do you think your life or your life as an intern would have been different if COVID weren't around? Yeah. I would have loved to seen the bottom of people's faces. Oh my gosh. I know. Isn't it such a trip sometimes I'll when see. residents yeah. or like you're attending takes off their mask mm-hmm. and you're like, whoa. Well, you didn't. I did not imagine <laughs> you to look like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny. It is funny, and it is always a surprise. And I'm just used to seeing people in masks now, but it would yeah. have been nice to to see people's full faces, mm-hmm. um, and to to just bond with my our residency class, you know. Yeah, as a group, I um, feel like now since everyone's on our different rotations, it's gonna be it's just impossible mm-hmm. to all meet up. There's just no way. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm hoping you know we have two more years after this. Right. We'll we'll find time. We'll eventually. find time. Yeah. I think another thing too that's been affected is so I as I mentioned before I did college and medical school in Southern California so I have a good amount of friends in the area and it's been hard to meet up with people because they know I'm in healthcare. Oh, and interesting. So I feel almost like a like a parasite not a parasite but you know i'm carrying germs around so i i've they're ultra careful and i want to be ultra careful for their their sake as well you know respect out of them yeah exactly i and like hanging out with like co-interns we're all kind of equally exposed so it it doesn't feel as much of a risk even though you know we still have to be cautious but i haven't seen my non-medicine friends Mm -hmm. um, in a while face to face facetime but not the same. Oh, yeah. 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 I think I also would have been happier. I think I think the whole world would have been happier <laughs> without true. this pandemic. At first, when the pandemic happened, mm-hmm. I wasn't that upset because mm-hmm. I was on a rotation that I didn't particularly like mm-hmm. in fourth during fourth year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just didn't hit me as hard. But yeah. I think now going through intern year without the things I typically like to do. Definitely. Just things like checking out a local music show or concert and catching up with friends over dinner and drinks. Just things outside of medicine. Not being able to do that has been really hard. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I can't like I love concerts as well, but um, I also love spending time outside in nature, like hiking, rock climbing. So I'm grateful that I still have opportunity to do those things. But uh, I feel you with the music. It's and just gatherings Yeah, to listen to live music or comedy or entertainment in yeah. general yeah yeah well let's try to think of something happier <laughs> so what have been your highs during residency and then also i guess what have been your lows but All start right. with highs let's let's start with the highs let's start with the positives yeah <laughs> i honestly i'm grateful to have a job so true you know so true there's a lot of of people i know that have lost jobs have been furloughed and or are looking for jobs but the fact that we have a steady job and a reason to wake up in the morning it's pretty it's pretty dope yeah yeah every two weeks when i get that paycheck i'm like yeah thank god yes i'm like 
hell yeah, I can pay my bills. Um, so that's that's been a high, you know. That's true. I don't really think about it because it's just you know the path to be a doctor. You have to go through each right. hoop, and like this is just another one of those mm-hmm. checklists that we have to go through. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there are people out there. I mean, my boyfriend is currently looking for a job. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough right now. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's super tough. Yeah. But yeah, so so that's a high. And with that, you know, the fact that we can go to a physical workplace and, you know, meet with people and meet new people, I think we're meeting a lot new people than the average person right now because we have mm-hmm. said job, you know. That's true. So that's nice. Um, and also just, just to just be learning and to be challenged, even though even though it sucks sometimes mm-hmm. and you have those days where you just cry in your car for 30 minutes mm-hmm. um, because of the feeling of incompetence. Mm-hmm. You see one week later, oh my gosh, I've mm-hmm. grown. I've, I've become more confident in this thing because I do it because of experience. And yeah. that's pretty cool. To, to be able to have this experience. When you said you just do it, I feel like that definitely applied to me during OB. Because mm. in medical school, I always felt like, oh my God, I'm a medical student. Why am I delivering this person's baby? I'm so unqualified. But now that I'm a resident, I'm just with that attitude. If it's not going to be me, then there's going to be no one else. Yeah. It's just, it has to be me. Yeah. And this and is our years for training, you know? It's exactly. Like, it's, we, people know we're in training and we can make mistakes where we have that that leeway to make mistakes so yeah Yeah. i guess that's one of my highs having that shift in attitude Mm. which surprised me Mm -hmm. because i used to be um more timid in Mm -hmm. medical school i didn't feel like i should be for example doing a lumbar puncture but i remember during peds i had to do a lumbar puncture on Mm -hmm. this infant and i just did it Mm -hmm. and it was it was a cool feeling like wow i i got it i did it Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, it's a cool skill, and it's not—it's not a skill that everyone can have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, and delivering babies is oh yeah, it's pretty cool too. Now, when if there's ever an emergency, like right. if I'm on a plane and somebody's exactly. about to have was, a baby, exactly. I can just boop boop pop that exactly. head out. And <laughs> exactly, shoulders. Exactly. Yeah, I I heard I was listening to a podcast. I forgot what podcast it was, but uh, when a, a doctor was actually relaying a story about how she uh, had to deliver a baby in an airplane and she was internal medicine oh nice and so they don't get any ob experience during residency oh so she did it from her medical she did it from her medical school memory yeah so that's another thing i'm grateful for for family medicine that we get to dip our toes into everything and yeah honestly i love family medicine it's sick (laughs) it yeah people in ob are like i i tell the people in ob wow like i don't know how you guys do it you know it's such a stressful environment you're doing surgeries or clinic and delivering babies and they tell me they're like i don't understand how you guys do it in family medicine because you guys have to do everything oh that's awesome yeah but how about you what are some highs for you um highs i guess yesterday you know i was on my another story from yesterday i just had a actually the same patient i was talking about the one with the stroke Mm -hmm. the son i was updating him on whatever updates um, we had for the day. And he said that he was really thankful. He basically said, I wish all the insert hospital name here is um, uh, doctors were like you. Oh. And I was like, wow, thank you. Cause he that's said so that I, I really cared. And so I think that's the high for me is knowing that I'm in that situation now where I can advocate for people 
And I do feel like advocacy is a big reason why I went into family medicine or medicine in the first place. All my essays were about that, like advocating for people who don't have the power to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so now that I'm actually in that situation, I... I just really appreciate that I'm here and I'm able to do that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Look at you advocating for our patients. <laughs> That's a good high. I like it. All right. How about your lows? Other than, I guess, everything. the most recent <laughs> one. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I have one. Go for it. A week full of night shifts. That mm. was really tough on pediatrics because... Mm. When you're a night shift, you're just trying to make sure people don't die or yeah. like shit doesn't yeah. go into Put flames. Put out the little fires, yeah. But it's also very isolating because you get there at 5.30, mm-hmm. you come home at 7 or 8, and then you sleep. I can't sleep past 1. It's, yeah. it's really hard. So lack of sleep mm-hmm. and then a floor full of patients. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the parents can be very demanding and you're just like, I don't know. I'm not I, I'm not really the primary. I'm right. just here to make sure okay. shit doesn't go down. Exactly. But yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a low. I remember you texting us, our group chat, oh, about that. <laughs> I was dying. I was like, save me. <laughs> you guys, SOS, SOS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the sleep schedule thing is hard. Night, oh, yeah. Night shifts, I remember the couple, like, the first few call nights I had, um, I remember just coming out, like, taking a nap for a couple hours, and then waking up feeling absolutely nauseous. Oh, God. I was so nauseous the yeah. first couple times. I was like, oh my gosh, do I need to ask for a prescription of Zofran or something? Uh, but over time, maybe by the fourth, fifth night call, it you got, get used my to nausea it. just resolved. <laughs> I don't, did you did you feel nauseous? During my calls? Yeah. Uh, or like after your calls, after during the day, after a night call. I know what you mean. I don't know if I feel nausea, but I just feel this ache in my head and like mm. a cloudiness in yes, my head. Yes, cloudiness too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, in case you didn't know, the original founder of the American Surgical Residency Structure was this man named William Halstead, who was also a surgeon, um, but he was later found to be addicted to cocaine. What? So there you go. This is inhumane, and <gasps> this is based on a guy who's addicted to cocaine. So there you go. <laughs> like, oh my god! This should be changed. That's news to me. Funny story. Yeah. No, that's interesting. <laughs> Next question. What has been the biggest shock to you when you started residency? Or biggest shocks, whatever. Mm. When the first couple times that you're called doctor Mm -hmm. are pretty... You're like, what? What the hell? Like, oh my gosh. Who, me? Is there someone behind me that you're talking to? Uh, Those those are... I think that was one of the biggest shocks in the Mm -hmm. beginning. Um. Because that's a lot of responsibility. That title holds a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it shouldn't be a shock because, you know, we have four years of medical school to process <laughs> what we're becoming. Uh, but but when it comes out of someone's mouth, when you're introducing yourself as Dr. Blah, 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 uh, it kind of hits you in the face the first few times. Yep. Yeah. How about you? I guess... Biggest shock is the amount of, yeah, the responsibility that you have. Mm -hmm. For example, we use this program called Cortex Mm -hmm. to message between physicians and it's HIPAA protected. And so it's a main form of communication. Um, And 
There have been times where I get a lot of core texts and I maybe skim through them or maybe just miss one of them because it's a busy day or whatever. And it ends up kind of biting me in the ass because it was, it's related to patient care. And like you, as a physician, you have to read every little notification that you receive. When the nurse chats with you, you have to read it. When the when the messages on your phone light up, you have to read it and yeah. act on it and do yeah. something about it yeah. or else it's your fault. Yeah. And, you know, it's a lot of information and um, stimulation overload, mm. which I didn't realize. Like, wow, I really have to be on top of my stuff. Every Everything I that comes into my inbox, I mm-hmm. need to make sure I read it carefully. Mm-hmm. So that was a big surprise to me because yeah. yeah. it's just a, a lot of responsibility. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would say another another thing that came to mind was I received a notification, speaking of notifications from like the LA County autopsy department or whatever, you know, where people after people pass away, mm-hmm. uh, asking me for a reason of death for a patient I had seen like three weeks ago. And I had actually only met this patient once and he we connected well and he wanted his aunt wanted me to be his pcp this guy was pretty young he was in his 40s he had had like a a brain aneurysm or something that he was has being admitted for and um he was being followed by you know rheumatology neurology all the specialists and so as as pcp the main goal was to make sure his blood pressures were controlled and he was like on three different agents or something for that. And so when I had that, got that notification that he had died and he had passed out in his home, that hit me in the face too. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, did I contribute to that? You oh know? my God. That's so scary. Because like, Oh my gosh, like, did I mess that up? Like as an oh intern and I just kept going through scenarios in my head. Oh God. Yeah. I would do the same thing. But the fact was that he was already really sick and you know, I had to kind of just, logically think to myself like i he was on the right medications for blood pressure control his blood pressure was controlled um and it was just a series of unfortunate events Mm -hmm. but it i had reflected on that for a while thinking that i had killed that guy dude that's scary that's scary to have patients die on you not in the hospital but outside yeah and you're like one of the last people who saw him Mm -hmm. actually the rheumatologist had seen last but still one of the last people I saw. That's crazy. Yeah. And how many months in were you? Probably three. I was like two months in. Oh, two. Jesus. Yeah. It shook me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a patient die on me yet. But, yeah. It sounds crazy. Yeah. You've ever had one die on you in the hospital? Not yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's always tough. Yeah. Our our jobs are tough, man. Our jobs are not easy. Dude, the jump from fourth year to residency is very big. It is huge. Yeah. Yeah. The first week was just a blur for me. Mm. The fr- it was just everything was going at 500 times speed. Oh, yeah. I had no idea what I was clicking. Epic was just a mystery <laughs> to me. And it was so, it was information overload. Oh, for sure. Information overload. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it's crazy the fact that I helped provide comfort care for 
a Holocaust survivor in her 90s who oh, has wow. died from heart failure in the ICU. Holocaust survivor? Who had passed, she unfortunately passed away. It's actually the patient I was talking about that passed away in the ICU. And then three days later, go to delivering a baby. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It's, it's hard work, but the things we get to see, if we step back and actually, mm-hmm. you know, think about what we're doing and not just be like, oh, work. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty it's pretty beautiful. We see we see the spectrum of life. Oh yeah, that's very true. Yeah, the stuff we see is so not normal. I mean, now right now I think it's cool. Yeah. But sometimes when you're going through it, when I walk in the hospital, there's always those people who greet you and make you walk past the temperature probe and then yeah. hand you a mask. There have been many times during this year where I'm just like. Why couldn't that be my job? Just like <laughs> greeting people and giving away masks. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Why can't that be my job? Oh, there, no, there are plenty of moments, mostly during call nights, where you're like, what the hell did I get myself into? Yeah. What the hell am I doing? But second year is better. They I say, heard. Yeah. More weekends. <laughs> yeah, but right. Remember that one time we went to the beach and we were uh, looking at people like just walking and enjoying their saturday or whenever it was and we were like oh look at those look at those normal people <laughs> and we had just like we were just exhausted i'm so jealous right now such a different life but it'll be worth it, it will right be. I think so. <laughs> no i think it'll be worth it the grass is always greener yeah intern year is obviously known to be hard but yeah i mean our attendings our family medicine attendings i i feel like i could live their life that seems yeah. like a great life clinic um helping people in the community mm-hmm. maybe doing inpatient medicines once in a while once in a while yeah sounds cool yeah have a good mixture it'll get better like i think it for me and i think for you too it seems like our lowest points are the ones where we feel the most incompetent right yeah so i think so with more training more comes more competency right so yeah okay. I, I can't wait until i'm at that point where I just know stuff. Yeah. I'm really excited for that point. And then during pediatrics, one of the attendings said something which I appreciated. He said, at one point, at one point, the medicine will just be easy to you. Mm. It's the social stuff that can always be challenging. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're just, you live and breathe it every day. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes. But yeah. every day we are learning. Yeah. And so I remember feeling like, how am I going to be a second year and be a senior? Oh, totally. <laughs> but they had a year of just every day going to work, doing medicine. So, yeah. Every day, not even week, like weekends are I know. dedicated to medicine. I know. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So I think got to trust the process. Trust the process. Sounds good. All right. Let's do one more question okay what do you do for wellness tracy <laughs> uh, i kind of touch base on this but um i i enjoy spending time outside especially when you're in the hospital a lot of the rooms at our hospital for some reason don't have windows which is a bummer i wish we had more windows oh, yeah. do you notice that you know, they feel like you're like working in a little bit of a little closet so i try <laughs> to spend as much time outside as possible um this weekend i went on a hike uh, luckily, the beauty of SoCal is that you have mountains on one side and the beach on the other mm-hmm. side. So you can literally, within a 12-hour period, go from the mountains to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, I've, I've been hiking. Um, I play music too. Music is a, is a big part of my life. Um, it, like sadly enough, last week was so hard. And I think too, it's because I actually didn't touch my guitar once. Oh, wow. Yeah. You usually touch it like I pretty try, often. I try to touch it like a couple times a week. Um, just play some covers. That's cute. Yeah. But journaling also is a, is a big thing for me, which I actually haven't been doing too much of either. And I should start picking up again. It's just when you get home, you're just so tired. Yeah. You just kind of want to like stare at the wall. Glowkey, yeah. I just put on kind of trash Netflix TV yeah. <laughs> and just... Just watch just, it yeah. and not think about stuff yeah. for a bit. Just turn your brain off for a bit because your brain is running on overdrive. Yeah. The whole day. I like cooking too, but I also haven't had that much time for that either. Mm-hmm. But I was glad I was able to get outside this weekend. Yeah. But how about you? What do you do for wellness? Um, I know you haven't been able to do the things that you used to love to do. Mm-hmm. Anything that you've been able to compensate with? I have been watching a lot of Netflix. Mm. Um, I don't cook as much either anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is your wellness. This podcast Sorry. is your wellness. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wanted to start this podcast just because it also just gave me an excuse to talk with talk, you and yeah. just talk it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you could always <laughs> talk with me without a podcast. Too. I know, but now it's more like let's do it okay, for yeah. a purpose. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I also bought a watercoloring um set today because i don't know i just want to start painting more yeah i feel like there's just stuff i need to get out of me so talking on the podcast or just painting something totally yeah yeah and then i do like working out but i'm sad that none of the gyms are open yeah i'm still i think i'm still trying to find what my wellness routine is just because i I honestly don't feel like i've been that well yeah yeah You know what the you know what my motto was for last week or two weeks ago when I had like a crappy week? It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. I just reminded myself of that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. And something that I kind of just mentioned to you when I saw you today was getting a therapist. Mm. It's uh, something on my bucket list. So mm-hmm. hopefully that will be incorporated into my to my wellness too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm in the works of trying to figure that out, too. Mm. Yeah. There's no shame. I think everyone needs therapy. Especially Especially doctors and doctors, yeah. Yeah. And psychologists themselves, probably. Yeah, probably. (laughs) They just listen to people's problems all day. I know. That is what we do, too, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. a lot of stuff. A lot of listening. I think that's why it's so therapeutic to be able to talk. Because our job is to listen to our patients. Yeah. At least that's what like our I feel like that's as family medicine, you you ask the right questions and you let the patient talk and tell their story. Right. And then you figure out the diagnosis from there. Right. And then obviously our talking comes with education, but that's not necessarily therapy for us. Right. <laughs> yeah. This felt good. Yeah. Thanks I'm glad for you did it. thanks for uh bringing this up as an idea. Yeah, I, of course. I had a good time. Well, it is it is getting kind of late and I do have to get up pretty early tomorrow. Same. What time do you have to get up tomorrow? Actually, I don't have sign out till eight. That's nice. Yeah, mm. but I'm still gonna wake up at like six. Oh, why? Why so early? I have clinic tomorrow morning, so I'm gonna try oh, to be on some patients. Yeah. 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 I think I think our list kind of grew by a few people today, so 
I'm gonna have to wake up probably like oh god maybe before five. Oh my if I need a chart review beforehand oh All dear right. we should get to bed <laughs> but it's my last day before vacation yeah yeah <laughs> and it's all, um hmm you know I'm just gonna relax maybe go camping yeah yeah not much planned just excited to wake up without an alarm yes totally yeah. okay so i guess that is it for our first episode yeah thanks for tuning in yeah thank you guys don't forget to add us on instagram we're at appreciate rex we'd love to get some conversations going get some feedback and just get to know you guys we'll see you next time